The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And one week ago from today, we were in Wembley Stadium in front of the largest wrestling crowd in history. Not just AEW history, not Chris Jericho history, in history, period. Paid crowd, largest paid crowd. 81,036 or whatever it was, the exact, uh, exact number. And one of the greatest weekends of my entire professional life. Uh, I'm going to talk about that today and go all through the entire week that I had. Um, we had Dynamite on Wednesday, which was the Will Ospreay contract signing with Don Callis and myself and Will. And I think we did a great, great job of kind of putting the stamp on the match at Wembley. I know some people were saying that the build wasn't very good. I think the build was really good. To be honest, because we started the Don and I uh, relationship way back in Edmonton, I think it was, which was two months ago. And the payoff was that Osprey would attack me when he was available. He was in Japan doing the G1 Climax Tournament, and he was only available on August 16th and the 23rd. So he attacked me the 16th, the 23rd. We did the contract signing where he did a tremendous promo, and I thought my promo was pretty good too. Delving into real-life stories when that story that I told about calling Will cold calling Will to, to tell him to tone things down so that he would have some longevity like me, uh, that was real. Uh, Will and I have always had a great relationship. He actually called me a few times to get advice on how to be a heel. Uh, we've talked about, you know, when he was stuck in Japan uh, during the lockdown, he called me for some advice. So Will and I have always had that, um, that friendship. So it was actually 100%, 100% legit what I said in my promo. And 100% legit what he said about this being a huge year for him and Wembley really putting the icing on the cake for the Will Ospreay story when his contract is up in a few months. He does have millions of dollars uh, coming to him, no matter who he signs with. So I thought that was a really great uh, build-up there. So anyway, so Thursday, we go to the airport and get ready to fly from Atlanta to Heathrow. Right as we're about to take off, I get the the message that, that Wyndham Rotunda had passed away, Bray Wyatt. At one point in time, we were really, really close friends, and not that anything happened, but you know, you, you don't see each other for a while and kind of drift apart because he's in one company and I'm in another, but we always had a great relationship, and I always kind of complimented and spoke to him about his ideas, and obviously, I worked with Bray dozens of times uh, throughout the years, 
uh, in WWE around the world. We even had a, a cage match where I jumped off the top of the cage. I think at the, the crazy age of 44 years old or 43 years old and how insane it was that Jericho's up there doing it. I'd do it now at 52, especially with someone like Bray who I could trust. And Bray was a creative faucet. Um, so many ideas that he had, he would just keep pouring them out. Here's an idea. Here's an idea. Here's a, stop, stop, stop about that idea from a couple ideas ago. So just a great guy and um, left us way too soon. And like I said, it just, uh, it hit me on the plane ride. I got really sad during the plane ride because, you know, you take off and it's just, you know, here we go. It's another flight and another you know, day at the office. And then it really hits you like, oh my gosh, he's, he's really gone. I'm never going to see him again. So kind of a sad flight. Landed in Heathrow, grabbed a couple hours sleep at the hotel, and then off to the O2 Forum in Kentish Town for, for Fozzie. Um, Fozzie played a huge role in this weekend, um, especially since the show on Friday at the Forum was called Spotlight on London, and it was our biggest headlining show ever. Now, we didn't sell it out. Uh, it was a big room, but my goal was I wanted to sell 1,000 tickets. And full disclosure, we've done 800s a few times, but getting to that 1,000 as a headlining band, obviously we've played in front of 40,000 at Download, and we played in front of 30,000 opening for Iron Maiden at the Bank of California Stadium and all those sorts of things. But as a Fozzie on top of the bill, this was our biggest headlining show ever. And we crossed the 850 mark um, a couple weeks prior or a week prior or whatever it was. But I really wanted to hit 1,000. And I was checking, you know, I think day of the show, we went into it at about 920. And then, you know, I'm checking. We've got 960 and then it's 980. And come on, guys, let's go. Like, you know, I'll buy tickets if we have to. I didn't have to. We ended up selling 1,003 tickets. So we sold over 1,000 tickets in London, our biggest headlining show ever. And it was such a great gig. I mean, obviously, having the Chris Barris band open for us and Massive Wagons were both huge bands to, to, to play with um, and to, to help fill up that room. And it was just a, a great show. Obviously, I had a new jacket made by Kate Lomax and kind of had, you know, a, a new, uh, a whole new, you know, look. You kind of finished up the, the set for the Save the World Tour that we did the last few runs. You know, um, and so now we changed the set completely for, for this new tour that's about to start up. But that was kind of, um, you know, I, I think we played the Vulture Club and Drinking with Jesus and, you know, tunes like that, that, that you know, uh, God Pounds His Nails that kind of, they, they come in and out of the set. And they'll probably be gone. You know, Blitzkrieg Bop, I'm not sure if we're going to keep that. It was a great way to close. But, you know, uh, obviously when you put out new songs and new records, you, you, you change up the set. And I think for us too, we like putting in something a little bit more obscure and older, like God Pounds His Nails this time in, in Vulture Club. So anyways, playing those shows, those tunes were amazing, and the crowd was insane. We've always had such a great relationship with the London crowd, uh, and they were on fire. I mean, I remember walking out on stage, and the whole place was just packed. Like, the bottom the bottom floor was packed. We, we, we had the balcony closed off. Only AEW people were up there, which was cool to see. You know, Ortiz was up there, and Christopher Daniels, and um, a lot of the crew people, and a lot of the, our, our publicity people and PR people, and always, always a blast to, to see them, have them up there and just i thought we played so good we hadn't obviously played since june at the end of the ugly kid joe tour and with the skills we had we didn't get to rehearse really but we know the songs off by heart you know we played them all and the other thing is, is you got to work on the intros and outros and rich, rich and i always do a dance during the vulture club 
the little Cossack Irish dance. And I forgot, we hadn't played it in a while, and I forgot to join him for the, uh, for the Cossack dance. But just a, a great, great time. And then halfway through, actually right before Burn Me Out, right after I Still Burn, it just washed over me to, to say a few words about, about Wyndham and uh, dedicate the show that night, the Fozzie show to, to, to Wyndham and the Wembley show to him, which was pretty emotional. Of course, people start chant- singing. He's got the whole world in his hands, which is you know his, his ring song, kind of his calling card, his trademark. And that was really great to see. And of course, all the sites are posting it. And you know, I didn't do that to get you know social media postings, but but yeah, just a, a great gig with Fozzie. And like I said, for Rich and I to be doing this for over 23 years in a band together and, and have our biggest show ever, headlining show ever, on the Friday, and then of course to, to play Wembley Stadium, which we'll get into in a bit on on the Sunday. It was just such a, a great professional weekend, you know, and it's so awesome to be playing with those guys with Billy and PJ and Grant. And, um, you know, we built this thing. We built this city on rock and roll. We built it fr- from, from, from nothing. You know, I know there were people that thought, oh, Jericho's singing. This is going to be so many wrestling fans are going to go to Fozzie. And it was not the case. You know, it's kind of the opposite. Um, a lot of people didn't want to listen to our band because I was in the band. Of course, it's just some kind of vanity project for me, like Osprey said in his uh, in his promo on Wednesday, which of course is not a vanity project. Which project we've done a great job in building the band, and of course, Judas kicked open a lot of doors, and now with five consecutive top ten singles and all that sort of thing, it's just amazing to me um, to see where we're at as as a rock and roll band. So. You know, um, and it's funny because when you get there, there was like the, the fog gun wasn't going to work. The CO2 gun wasn't going to work. And, and Simon's our great tour manager. I said, just figure out a way, man. Just just make it work. This London, it's four o'clock. You still got five hours before showtime. Figure out a way to make it work. And, and he did. The fog gun was working. The CO2 gun. Like I said, we played great. Highlights. Enemies always a highlight with a double guitar solo. Judas, everyone's singing all the words. Uh, which is amazing. Great sing-along for Lights Go Out. I love Spider in My Mouth. That's going to stay in the set. Of course, I Still Burn is a highlight. Sane is a great tune. Uh, it's the opening tune, which won't be the opening tune uh, too much longer. I think probably our new song will be the opening tune when we, we finally get it done and released. So um, just once again, a, a great night uh, surrounded by great fans. We did our VIP again where we had a fan come sing Judas with us, which was awesome. Uh, we've reinstated the individual photos in front of the step and repeat, which we dropped during the lockdown. And then now, of course, we brought it back. So the VIP was popping. The show was popping. And uh, we were excited to go back to the UK in February. Um, we're going to be announcing pretty soon what the tour is. So uh, it was just it was such an apropos for us to play um, our biggest headlining show ever in London, which has always been one of the best Fozzie cities in the UK. You know, it's such a great territory. And I always mention it was the first place where people ever really embraced Fozzie as a band. Still remember playing in Nottingham, Rock City. It was the first gig Fozzie ever played in the UK, probably 2005, I guess it was. And I remember walking on stage and I th- there's a couple venues all encased in one area there in Nottingham. And I thought that I walked on the wrong stage. I couldn't believe how packed it was and it's been like that ever since in the uk in london and it was just an amazing time and a great night for for fozzy and fozzy fans in general with many more great nights to come all right that was the friday when we come back we're going to talk about saturday and my guest appearance uh attack at rev pro on will osprey do you want a beautiful lawn 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, welcome back to Talk to Jericho, talking about one of the greatest weekends in my professional career. Uh, talked about the Fozzie gig at um, the O2 Forum on the Friday. And then Saturday, uh, I made a special guest appearance at the Rev Pro show. Uh, first of all, we went to Wembley Stadium to rehearse with Fozzie, um, which was amazing because we started the, the, the Judas with uh, on top of a platform, if you didn't see it, and then I come out of a tunnel. Um, originally, I wasn't going to be on top of the platform, and actually Ortiz, who came to see Fozzie on Friday, uh, happened to run into him. He was going over some stuff for his stadium stampede at the stadium, on Saturday, and he said that you guys did a great job. You really enjoyed the show, but he said there's a suggestion he sh- that he wants to make of me doing the Freddie Mercury "Hey" from Live Aid, which of course is the greatest gig of all time. Um, he said I should do that prior to Judas, and I was like, "What a great idea that is!" So I went to Rich Ward, ran it past him. He loved it, um, which is great too, because actually Bubba Dudley months ago said you should have Fozzie play you to the ring. And I was like, seriously, you think so? And he's like, you got to do it. So Bubba came up with the idea of Fozzie uh, singing, uh, me singing myself to the ring with Fozzie at Wembley. And Ortiz came up with the idea of me doing the Freddie Mercury Hayos. So not a lot of uh, creativity or originality from Chris Jericho on that ring entrance. That just came from my friends. So so yeah, so we, 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 I said, well, let's do the Hayos on top of the platform. But then they said, well, there's no way for you to get down in the tunnel. You got to do the hails in the tunnel. I said, no, I got to do it in the platform. So there's always a way to figure out. If anyone knows me, it's like, don't tell me why something can't happen. Tell me how we can make it work. So I said, well, get a ladder. Because what happened was when I was on top of the platform, I then had to walk down a set of stairs, walk across a row of chairs, which is where the soundboard was. And right uh, there was like the vomitory. And there was probably about a 10-foot drop to the, um, the, the tunnel the floor so they set up a ladder and then we, we retried the rehearsal of me doing the hayos then running down the steps running across the the you know the area and then going down the ladder well the first time they had it the wrong way so like the, the, what i mean by the wrong way is that the stairs were on the opposite side of where i was so i kind of had to cross over the top of the ladder and walk down the back of the stairs rather than walking down the front part of the, of the stairs i'm saying stairs i mean ladder the rungs i guess so the first time I did it, by the time I got to the to the bottom of the ladder, I was already singing You Are Beautiful on the Inside because I do the Hayos, then Rich hits the track, which starts the intro, uh, and then Judas starts with the band starts playing. And I've got probably, I don't know, 45 seconds to get from the top of the platform to the bottom. And the first time I failed miserably because I'm also holding the microphone. Plus, I was wearing tight jeans, so it was hard to kind of make my way down the entire ladder. Uh, but I did. I made it, uh, and then we figured out a way to streamline it, to turn the ladder around, to move part of this canopy that was over top of the vomitory uh, over a bit so I could uh, make my descent easier. But it was crazy just singing Judas in an empty stadium. Absolutely insane. 
you know, and just kind of going through the whole thing and rehearsing it. And, you know, we we're like, oh, we should play a couple more songs, but there was no time to play songs because everyone's rehearsing. And obviously, the, our entrance was two and a half minutes, which is very loud. But we were really excited for what we had coming up um, the next day and knew that it was going to be once in a lifetime. I mean, playing Wembley Stadium, you know, I mean, come on. I don't care if it's only for two and a half minutes in the middle of the biggest wrestling show of all time. Fozzie played Wembley. A lot of people can't say that. So we did it. It was an amazing moment, um, which I'll get to. But the rehearsal itself was, was a good time. And thanks to Ortiz, I'm glad I ran into him for coming up with the idea to, to do the Freddy intro uh, because it really made it. And it was one of uh, my all-time favorite moments with Fozzie. Um, and like I said, we'll talk more about that when, um, when we get to that uh, tomorrow night. But after that, I had a car waiting for me. Took me from Wembley straight over to the Copper Box uh, Arena in London, which was about an hour away from Wembley, to uh, to be a part of the Rev Pro 11 year anniversary show. And this was an idea that I had a few weeks prior, talking to Will. I said, "Well, he was mentioning how he had the indie on Saturday against uh, Takagi," and I was like, "Well, but you know, take it easy, don't get hurt, you know, as if Osprey's ever going to take it easy." But I said, "What if I attack you?" afterwards and he thought that was a great idea he's like i was thinking the same thing bro if i didn't want to ask you though because i didn't want to you know bring it up if 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 you thought it was cheeky and i was like no it's, I, I love doing stuff like this i love attacking people with a mask on i did it to naito in new japan uh, i just did it to uh, ricky starks in AEW. i did it to seth rollins i did it to ray mysterio um i did it to kenny omega when i when i came out uh, dressed as uh, as penta so it's kind of part of my lineage to attack guys uh, in a mask, and I thought it would be perfect. I even have a Bushi mask. Bushi is uh, a guy from New Japan that gave me a, they gave me his mask to attack Naito with about three years ago. So I kept that Bushi mask, and I still have it. I sent a picture of it to Will, and he's like, the fact that you even have a Bushi mask, mask, mask is jokes, mate. So jokes, it's funny. Um, and I thought this would be perfect. So we, we worked it out to go to the copper box and once again there's no pay involved for this there's no money that i'm making i mean it's you know i, I get paid by aw and this was a kind of a way to enhance the angle and give it one last little push over the cliff especially for the people who, who were saying that there was not a lot of a build-up well this is one last way to build it up so um we go over to the copper box it takes about an hour i'm there with uh with with my wife jessica and my dad ted Irvin came to be a part of it and so we're hanging out uh in the van and then we go inside to the locker room area. Of course, I don't want to be around anybody because, you know, I don't want the word to get out that I'm there. So basically, they've got me in sequestered in kind of a uh, office area. And it's got a table and, you know, like a, a kind of a meeting table. And then it's got a big TV screen where they put the show on because the show is streaming. And then people just came in. The promoter came in. You know, one of the one of the backstage guys that was going to take me to the ring when the time was right came in. Osprey came in. A couple other guys that I know, and we decided uh, what to do. So, um, of course, I'll explain all that when we get there. But when I got, the, I think for about three hours, I was hanging out in the uh, in the dressing room waiting for for the show to waiting for him to come on for the show to come on. Maybe two hours. I don't know, two or three hours. Because these are long shows, obviously. It was the 10th anniversary show of Rev Pro, And I was expecting it to be kind of like in a, I don't know. I'm not saying like a, a gymnasium or something like that, a hall. Maybe like a hall. I was thinking it would be like a, a bigger type of place. But I don't know, maybe a 500 people type thing. No, this was an arena with 4,000 people there. It was it was huge. The place was, it was packed. 
And so I got to watch some some pretty good uh, indie wrestling from some guys that I didn't really know a lot about. And when I got there, I saw I just got there in time for the uh, Rev Pro Undisputed British Tag Team Titles, which was Subculture, Flash Morgan, Webster, and Mark Andrews, uh, with the Velocities, Jude London, and Paris De Silva. I just saw the tail end of that. But I really got to see uh, Ishii versus Luke Jacobs. That was a great match. I'd never heard of Luke Jacobs before. He put on a, a really good show, though. Um, a fan of his now. Of course, Ishii. I love Ishii. I had a great match with him in AEW uh, about a year ago or so. Um, and then the, I got to see the undisputed British women's title three-way. Alex Windsor uh, defeated Hyen and Mickey James. It's cool to see Mickey, although I never actually saw her in the flesh. I didn't see Mercedes Monet either in the flesh the next day. Um, just talked to her briefly uh, on Instagram, but didn't get a chance to see her. But uh, they had a pretty fun match. Mickey looked great, and uh, Alex Windsor won. And I actually thought her name was Alex Winter, who, of course, is Ted, or Bill, in Bill and Ted. Uh, but it was not Alex Winter. It was Alex Windsor. They had a pretty good match. And then I saw the undisputed British heavyweight title, Michael Oku, with Amira, defeated Trent Seven which was another really good match. Of course, Michael Oku was uh, there when we did the uh, surprise at PWG. I worked with him quite a bit and really was impressed by him. I had him on Talk is Jericho. He's now going to be on the Jericho Cruise. And I was, so I was pleasantly surprised at his, his match. They had a pretty good match. I thought it was a little bit overbooked, uh, a lot of table bumps and that sort of thing. Amira took a ridiculous table bump from, from Trent from an apron through a table. But uh, always cool to see Trent. He's a great guy, and uh, they worked their asses off. And then is Will Ospreay versus Shingo. And um, I mean, what can you say? It was a great match. Shingo's amazing. Ospreay's probably the best in the game right now. So they had a really good match. And then when it was done, Zack Sabre Jr. came out and cut a promo challenging Will. And then Will continued on talking about how, you know, he wasn't good at school, but he was always good at wrestling, and this is... You know, something he always believed in, and thanks to Rev Pro, for, Rev Pro for building him up. And here now with my Bushi mask and a gray long sleeve tight shirt, because I didn't want anybody to know it was me, so he got to cover the tattoos, wear some black gloves so nobody can see the hand tattoo. And I ran into the ring. Uh, of course, it's always a little bit scary because that, you know, that 10 second jaunt, 15 second jaunt, you got to get there fast. But, you know, you're running through the crowd, and the, hopefully the guardrail opens. So the guardrail opens, and in, in I go. And I attack Osprey, and there's a big gasp, and you know I'm just beating the shit out of him. People are kind of like rumbling. Then I throw him into the corner, and he staggers out, and I jump out and give him a code breaker. And now people are like super excited because could it be? Is it possibly? And then I slowly take my mask off, my bushy mask off, and reveal it's Chris Jericho. And I slowly do that because I remember I did that with Rey Mysterio once years ago. I think it was in Denver. I attacked him and I took the mask off so quick and Vince was like, you got to take your time. You got to milk that moment of taking the mask off. So I did that really milk the moment of taking the mask off. And once I did, people popped even bigger. So it was a really great moment, a really great crowd because they just continued to pop and pop and pop and pop and pop. And um, so I took the mask off and, and people were first cheering. Then they start booing. you, Jericho. So of course I give him the finger and now I'm like, now I know that I'm going to be more on the heel side tomorrow at Wembley. I didn't know for sure, but at least in that night at, uh, at the Copper Box, I was the, the total heel, and rightfully so. And then Will gets up, I hit him with a, a Judas effect, and you know, 
people are cheering and screaming. And then I grab a chair. Ozzy Open is supposed to come down and make the save. I grab a chair, and Will's getting up, and I got the chair, and I'm like, well, they're not playing their music, so I'm going to have to hit you. Sorry, buddy. And I hit him with the chair. Boom. Down he goes. People are booing. They're going crazy. Out comes Ozzy Open, and I run through the other side and run out the back, and people are like, you know, tapping me on the back, and I'm shrugging my shoulders off like, get your hands off me, and holding the cell phones in my face. I'm slapping the cell phones out of their face, out of their hands, you know, the big heel, probably breaking people's cell phones. So if I broke your cell phone, I apologize. Don't send me a bill. That's what you get when you're around an uncaged animal like Chris Jericho. Uh, so I walked out of the arena and walked back to the dressing room. It was just a great moment. Like, I, I love doing stuff like that because, A, once again, it added to our Wembley match, added to the Osprey-Jericho story, helped Rev Pro because like, here's Chris Jericho just showing up at Rev Pro, so you never know who's going to be there. And I think it's just good for wrestling in general. Whenever you can do something that, that's a genuine surprise that people don't know they're going to be getting it and don't ever expect it. And that's why I go to great lengths to make sure that nobody sees me when I do these things because it's part of the fun. You don't want people to, to know that you're there and have the word get out that Chris Jericho's backstage and there. It's like you want it to be a surprise because it's something that, that, that people will never forget. I went to Rev Pro and Chris Jericho walked out. It's like, you know, I went to a Fozzie gig and freaking, you know, James Hetfield came on stage or something like, you know, not that that's happened. James, you're always welcome. But I think just, you know, it's just good for the business in general, keeps people excited and, and good for Rev Pro. Like I said, their 10th anniversary or 11th anniversary, uh, whatever it was, and just to have their 11th anniversary. Yeah. And just to, to, to know there were so many people there, so excited to see Osprey. So excited to see Jericho and really built up a lot of anticipation for uh, Wembley, which was what the idea was. And that's that's why I did it. And it th I think it really set the tone quite well for what we we're about to do the next day, which once again was the biggest wrestling show of all time. And when we come back, we'll talk more about that and get into the real details of Jericho versus Osprey, the Wembley experience and everything else that happened. So we'll be right back right here on Talk is Jericho. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com. T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N dot com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right. Welcome back to Talk to Jericho. We are talking all about my Wembley weekend. One of the greatest uh, of my professional career for sure. So it's Sunday morning and we're getting ready to go to Wembley. So I leave at about, I'd say, 11 maybe a little bit earlier, 10.30 or so. I want to be at the venue by 11. I just like getting there early. The show starts at 5, but I just like to kind of get there and get organized and get mentally sound. And so uh, I want to get a spray tan because it's a big match. Of course, England doesn't have spray tans or tanning beds as prevalent as they do in the States. So I found one that was kind of close. Um, and when we got there, this spray bed looked like it was from 1975 but it did the trick and then the guy got lost coming back so we we're just driving around Wembley there's a certain gate that I was supposed to go to and obviously people are starting to show up you know um, we're getting closer to showtime and I'm getting antsy because it's one-way traffic and there's a lot of traffic around the stadium 
Uh, finally, we get to the gate that I'm supposed to get to. I go inside and arrive probably around noon, which is fine. Obviously, it's a stadium show. I've done plenty of stadiums, but um, you know, this is, of course, the biggest one ever. And the coolest thing of all was we were at about 74,000 tickets sold, I think, about five days before. And I was asking um, you know, our ticket experts, you think we're going to hit the highest attendance of all time, and I don't know if we'll make it. And that last week sold like thousands and thousands and thousands of tickets, like 7,000 tickets, you know, to, to end up with 81,000. 35 tickets sold. Uh, it is, once again, uh, the uh, highest-selling um, wrestling show ever, surpassing WWE SummerSlam 1992 and WWE WrestleMania 32 in attendance. Of course, I was not at SummerSlam, but I was at WrestleMania 32. So Mox actually sent me a text that said that Mox and I uh, have been on the two highest-paid uh, ticket wrestling shows of all time. So that's kind of cool. And, um, you know, so I finally get in there and, you know, there's so much going on, so much activity because it's massive. Osprey asks if he can change with me in my private dressing room. And of course he can. So, you know, now we get a chance to start talking about what we're going to do and, you know, just kind of start, start the day. And whenever, you know, I, I go to a show, like I said, I always try and have, you know, a few hours just to chill, get some coffee. English coffee, not quite the same. So I was able to find some American coffee, which is much better. And I never understood, too, you go get a coffee uh, in England, and if it's like a cafe Americano, as they call it, or an Americano, sorry, it's like this little cup, like a half cup of coffee. I want a full cup. Give me a full cup of coffee. That's not much to ask for, right? I mean, I would like to have a full cup. I think it's best to, to, to have that. So, you know, get some coffee and kind of get uh, caffeined up and start thinking of ideas. And sometimes I'll go over a match in my head, you know, a week before. Sometimes I'll, I'll, you know, go over a match, you know, in my head a few days before. This this one, obviously, Will's at the top of his game. I kind of wanted to see what he came with and, and kind of took away the, the, the burden of me having to worry about coming up with the whole match. So I watched, I always go online and watch, like, the top moves of Will Ospreay, for example. And then I watched a match that he had against Kenny and a match they just had against Naito. Both were excellent. He knocked Naito the out, which was amazing and carried him through the finish even though he was knocked out so i just came in there basically with a clean slate just to see kind of what you know what would happen so wanted to meet with will earlier because once again even though i haven't thought of anything i still don't want to lollygag great word i want to get in there and start get rolling and start figuring out what we're going to do problem is there's so many people there so many people from the uk wrestling scene you know i saw my friend hannah taylor there and i saw Zach Zodiac there, and you know I met the the Billington uh, Bulldogs for the first time, and Maya Grace, you know, just people that I that I, that I've that I've known for a long time, getting a chance to say hi to them. Session Moth Martina, you know, Michael Oku got to talk to him about his match. Um, so, anyways, you're seeing all these kind of independent British wrestlers that they're they're there to experience things. You know, um, I know that MJF used a lot of the women in his ring entrance. And the guys just being in there backstage is, is cool. And prior to, I had spoken to Sean Dean, who's one of our uh, bookers of the extras, as we call them, and, and made sure that some of these people that I knew that had been trolling for a while and, and, and been in the scene for a while were actually on the show because I thought it was a good experience for all of them. You know, Michael Oku is on the Jericho Cruise this year, which is huge. It's amazing. So, you know, getting a chance to see him was cool. And then just seeing everybody, you know, everyone's in their Sunday best, you know, all the, all the production people and everybody's all ready to go. So um, anytime you have a big show like that, there's, there's a certain vibe to it. 
And, and, and everyone knows that it's not just another show, you know. And, and as a matter of fact, we had a big team meeting on Zoom to discuss kind of the protocols and that sort of thing. And at the end of the meeting, I just told everybody, like, just enjoy this. Like, this is not something that happens every day. It might never happen again. I mean, once again, the biggest wrestling show of all time. Like, like dude, I mean, think about that. You know, I've been doing this for 33 years, and I'm having my biggest show ever on this day after thousands and thousands of matches. So, you know, just a really cool vibe and a really cool moment. So, And then so Will and I just start talking and, and coming up with some ideas and put together some stuff. And then, you, then you, oh, I don't really like how that feels. Let's try it again. Let's do it this way. Uh, and let's think about it that way. And, and then Jerry Lynn comes in and he's kind of helping out too and getting involved with some of the ideas because he was our producer for the night. And of course, Aubrey Edwards was the official on the call. Um, and it's just, a, it, you know, you guys kind of want to know what the behind the scenes vibe is. It's just very zen, you know. I ain't talking about a comic book character. Very zen and very chill, but it's also like, you know, like this is going to be big. So there's a lot of pressure and a lot of nervousness, you know, like people say, do you still get nervous? I get nervous for every show I have in a good way. I think if you don't have that nervous energy, um, you know, you, you're always a little bit like, uh, that kind of keeps you on your toes. It makes things like even more exciting. So I, I just really was, was, was excited because I knew it was a chance to have a great match you know, once again, like I said in my promo, all the social media haters that are trying to knock me off the mountain and categorize me as this, that, or the other thing. I know what I'm capable of. And, and like I say, I'll continue wrestling for as long as I can still have the best match on the show any given night. Not every night, but any given night. And, you know, you look at the, the Wrestling Observer polls and there's, you know, I don't know, 150 people or whatever it was in the poll that voted our match the best of the night. So there you go, mission accomplished, you know. And, and I think... It was one of the best matches of the night. And the thing about the show was there wasn't one show stealer. There was the, the main event with MGF and Adam Cole that was, that was great. There was FDR versus the Young Bucks that was great. I mean, there was a stadium stampede that was amazing. You know, so there's quite a few sh matches in there that people might think was the best one on the show. And the fact that some thought ours was is, is an honor to me. So yeah, getting ready to put everything together. And once again, like I said, I got a new jacket and I got to go get you know the new ring uh, outfit, the pants, which you know people think that maybe we try these things on for weeks in advance. No, like here's an idea. And, 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 and Chris is the, is the name of the seam, seamster, seamstress, sewing guy, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he made a great uh, set of tights, although not really tights, they're more just kind of pleathery pants which i really like wearing because they, they they're tight but they're loose and then of course kate's jacket that she came up with another one i had two original kate lomax jackets uh on this uh on this weekend one for fozzy which was the leopard print if you guys saw it and then one for the show which was kind of the red one um and it was just you know once again you go see tony for a bit and go see the producers and try and get something to eat but you don't want to eat too much but you gotta eat something so you know once again it's just a very kind of cool uh, nerve-wracking experience to get ready for this and I, I don't want to dwell on this or talk about it but I, I should address it of course CM Punk uh, no longer with AEW and Wembley was his last match which what a way to go out if you're going to go out um, I did speak to him briefly uh, I was going to do a Frankensteiner off the top and I know that he does that sometimes so I was just curious if he was doing it so I went and talked to him for a bit asked him if he was doing it he wasn't then I told him I was going to do the GTS and with a straight face. And I think for a second he thought that I was going to, and I was joking, of course. So, yeah, I did see him that day. Uh, and, and once again, it's, um, it's, it's a regretful moment what happened. But Tony Khan made his decision, 
And like I said, uh, CM Punk was a big part of AEW for the time he was here. And if you're going to go out, he went out on top, uh, for sure, by having this uh, good match with Samoa Joe in a sold-out stadium. Not sold-out, but the highest-selling uh, ticket seller of, of all time. So that's uh, my thoughts on that. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. When Will and I were getting together and, and putting together our stuff, and then you know the show, the show starts, and there's some anticipation, you know, and then of course there's a fight that breaks out backstage, and that kind of throw things off, and then there was a little bit of influx on, on whose match was going to go on next, and like I knew that at one point I, I can't go on any earlier than I'm supposed to go on because we've got the band and the entrance and all that sort of stuff, and um, but yeah, I mean, they definitely kind of threw a monkey wrench into some things. And, and you know, once again, we're still getting ready for our match when all this stuff is going down. So uh, when you're going to be on a big show, I always say that if you can't go on last, you want to go on first or in the semi, you know, that sort of area. And, and I think we were third from last, which was, um, or maybe second from last. Third from last. I think after us, there was the six man with the House of Black and the Acclaim. But uh, it was a great place for us to be on the show. Obviously, with Will being the hometown hero, there's going to be a lot of emphasis on that match. Um, and, and like I said, this match was going to happen at the Tokyo Dome years ago. I remember talking about this in 2019 after Naito and um, Gato, the booker, wanted me to do Tanahashi in 2020, which was amazing. And I wanted to do Osprey either in 2021 or 2022, also depending on uh, with Suzuki. I wanted to have Suzuki one year and Osprey another and, and maybe Kota Ibushi. And then, of course, the lockdown happened and everything kind of went on its head. But the Osprey-Jericho match was supposed to happen years ago. So finally, it's up. It's ready. You know, and it wasn't easy to get the match. I mean, Will doesn't even work for AEW. You know, and that was another thing that we had to kind of figure out that from the political standpoint. And then, you know, we were going to have somebody run in or what was going to happen. And, and kind of came up with the idea for Sammy Guevara to be down there with me. And Don Callis is, is there with him. But putting together a match, I don't want this to be about Don and Chris because Will is a baby face. And even though Don is the biggest heel in the company, so they have to be together. But on this show, it was kind of like a standalone. You know, we're, we're, we're stand, it's a standalone show, not so much worried about heels and baby faces and who's with who. We're continuing to tell our stories that we need to, to continue to tell for AW and Dynamite. But on that night, I mean, Will Ospreay was probably as big of a baby face as you're going to get. Um, so we kind of put together the match accordingly. We're all ready to go. And then you start getting to that zero hour. We're like, you know, you're almost up next. And then you got to get ready to roll. And it's just, it's a really cool feeling to know that you've got this possible potential great match coming up uh, with this great crowd and they were going nuts for everything sometimes stadium shows are hard because with an open roof sometimes the sound goes up and out thankfully that night in london they had the roof closed but still it's such an expansive building that sometimes i remember edge and jericho at wrestlemania whatever it was in phoenix i thought there's nobody making any noise like do we suck what the hell is going on here and then you watch it back and it sounds super loud. But at the time, the noise is just going outwards, not coming down to you. That was not the case that night. You could see the crowd was hot. They were ready. They were ready to rock, you know. 
And once again, I knew that we were going to have a great crowd. The moment we announced the show, some pundits were saying, they won't even put 20,000 in there. It's like, I knew we would have a good crowd. Did I think we'd have 81,000? No, I did not. But I knew that we were hot in England. AEW has the best television ratings out of any wrestling show in England. And it's not just London and England. It's the UK. It's Wales. It's Scotland. It's Northern Ireland. It's Ireland. And all of Europe. You can get to London in an hour and a half you know, uh, uh, via f- a flight from Germany or Spain or Italy. So, and people came over from the States. You know, I had a couple friends that came over from the States specifically to see the show. You know, my dad came over just to see the show. So um, I knew there was going to be a lot going on. Uh, and a lot of action, and a lot of buzz, and a lot of excitement, and that's exactly what happened, because we had that in spades and in droves for the entire show. So now I'm ready to go, time comes that, uh, okay, you guys are up, and of course, I got to leave about halfway through the coffin match, because I got to go back up to my perch, where Fozzie is. You know, and time-wise, there's always the time constraints, and, 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 you know, I thought that we had a little bit less time than we should have had, and we went even less than that, uh, we went about 15 and a half minutes, and I think we had 17, and I was hoping for 18. But we kind of structured, structured the match because you don't want to go over. So it's okay to go under. And at the end of the day, I mean, who cares? The, a match doesn't matter. You can have a great match in four minutes, and you can have a stinker of a match in 60. It doesn't matter the time you have. It's the quality of, the, of, of, of what you put together and, of course, how much the, the crowd is into it. So um, they come and grab me, and, and now i gotta, I got to go and, 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 and basically walk up some, some back stairs. And they wanted me to wear a hood and, and a hoodie. And I'm like, well, it doesn't matter. I mean, if 20 people see me here, it's okay. And, of course, most of that staging area is blocked off from the fans anyways because that's where the stage is and no one wants to sit behind the stage. But as soon as we started walking and go out that door, you can hear this buzz and this complete din of humanity and know, okay, this is real. This shit is going to happen and it's going to happen fast. You know, and in 25 minutes, I'm going to be back in that dress room. So you better have the best, you know, 20, 25 minutes of your life uh, and your career. And uh, I came pretty close to that. And when we'll discuss more when we come back on Talk is Jericho, we'll get into the actual match and the entrance itself. Jericho versus Osprey at All In in Wembley. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, so welcome back to Talk to Jericho, talking about the Wembley weekend, and the time has come. Um, they take me, like I said, up to the platform, and I got the microphone, and also what you might not know is I had inner ears to inner monitors so I can hear myself singing. Uh, I had that over top of the jacket, and I only wear inner ear monitor in one ear because I like hearing the crowd. So um, that's kind of where we, we were at. I walked up into the platform. And dude, I mean, you can just see, like, literally there's 81,000 people. And when I mentioned before that it's just one kind of living, breathing entity, kind of being that high up and looking down was such a crazy experience, you know. And then it's like um, the video package plays for Osprey and Jericho. And then the cue is Rich plays a power chord. And I start going, hey, oh. And dude, I'm like, there I am, Freddie Mercury from Live Aid. 
And it was crazy. Like, I just could not believe that I was doing that. And people were saying, like, how was it? Like, it was, it was unbelievable to be up there and, and be doing the, the Freddie Mercury and having the people respond. Um, I mean, I'll tell you what, it's one of those things that I'll never forget. Never, ever forget. Uh, did kind of the whole thing. Ayo, 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 ayo. All right. Because that's what Freddie did. And as soon as I do that, Rich hits the little intro. Now, that intro that you heard is how we uh, do Judas Live with that little intro that Rich kind of created for it to put on before the song, before it goes run down, da, down, run down, da, down. It's like jump, chicka, chicka, ba, chicka, whatever you heard, kind of the, the drums and the round. So, when that plays, here I am. Now I'm in my complete gear and uh, wrestling gear, and I got the gloves on, and I got the jacket on. So, I run down the flight of stairs. And keep in mind, I got a time constraint because I got to be down for you are beautiful on the inside. So I run down the steps. Then I have to run across the row uh, where uh, and when I run in the steps too, they put a box there because there's kind of a little bit of a drop from one step level to the next. I get on that box. I jump down. I run across the uh, row past Sam's, uh, uh, of course, Sam Abernathy, our amazing front of house, run past his, his rig, his setup, his soundboard, and then I go to the railing, climb up on the railing, and then I put one foot on the ladder, and then I start climbing down the ladder. And we were supposed to move the awning back so that I would have more space to get on the ladder. Of course, somebody forgot to do that. So I'm kind of like on top of the awning, the canvas, but I just got to get past it and hold it onto the rail. I got a microphone in one hand. I got the inner ears in the other. I got an entire match in my head that I got to worry about too. Climb down the ladder, finally get onto the floor of the tunnel, turn around, and it's like, you are beautiful on the inside. And I walk through the tunnel, and Sammy's waiting there with the bat, which, by the way, you want a little trivia? That was Sting's bat, because we didn't bring Floyd with us to the UK, and I didn't realize they weren't bringing it, and why would they? So we used Sting's bat, of course. Uh, a little behind the scenes. And uh, there I go. I'm walking, uh, singing Judas with the band playing. And there's a little bit of a delay. I was, it was a slightly, slightly a little bit behind the beat because of the delay uh, uh, coming from the, 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 the platform of the band and to the floor. Now I'm like 100 feet away. But, but um, BJ's vocal, he sings the higher part. And I will drag you down. So he's singing that part, not tracks, ladies and gentlemen. That's actually a real live bass player who sings with me and doubles that track, which is how you do it. Um, so as soon as he kicked in, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm a slight bit off. So I adjusted, and then here we go, walking all the way to the ring to sing uh, singing Judas and get into, the, get into the ring and just see that this one. What have I become? And everyone's just singing it. And like, dude, what a, what a moment, man. Like singing our song that we wrote and we recorded and we created and now we've got 81,000 people joining in and singing along. And a lot of these people have never seen Fozzie live. A lot of these people probably even know that I sang that song. I mean, I don't know. I don't know who's, who's following Chris Jericho's career, especially with that many people. I mean, obviously, you think it's more than just hardcores. I think a lot of people got caught up in the, in the event of it, like going to a Stones concert. You don't, have, you don't have to be a Stones fan to go see the Stones play live, right? Like it's more of just uh, the, the, the event, the cultural event. I think there's a lot of people that went to this show to be a part of the event. So I don't know if they, if they watched Fozzie before or knew anything about us or, or what we do. So I think a lot of 
people were pretty impressed. And actually, I'm just looking right now at the YouTube uh, views of the Judas video. It went up a million since last week. It's almost at 64 million. It was at almost 63 before we went. So people went and watched the video. So, which is cool. I mean, that's how people consume music nowadays. So I went in the ring and, and, and sing the song and it's two and a half minutes, but I'll tell you what, what a great moment. You know, we're already thinking about next year. Do we want to do it next year and how can we make it better? And will we have, you know, some pyro on the guitars or maybe a zip line or whatever it may be. Anyways, it was, it was probably the best entrance on the show. One of the best entrances maybe of all time and definitely the best entrance of my career. Although the choir Judas was pretty good too, but actually just playing it live. I mean, you can't beat that in front of 81,000 people. So then Will came out and did his entrance and man, we get in the ring and, and here we are, you know, and, and, and Will obviously is, is one of the best athletes and super smart with wrestling. What I bring to the table is experience. And I said, let's just stand there and see what happens. And people just standing there chanting Will and you know, whatever the chanting, this is awesome before you even start out, whatever it may be. And here we go, uh, which was really cool because we started off just by doing getting kind of in a smacking fight, slapping each other in the face. I wanted to kind of hold on to that and do that a little bit longer, but um, but we moved on a little bit quicker than I would have liked. But just amazing, you know. Will hit me with a sky twister press from the top, and I made sure to be there to catch him because sometimes guys don't. And that one caught me. And then in the ring we go. I give him a German suplex on the apron side you know, work on them a bit. And then, and it, like I said, we knew that we had 17 minutes. We went a little bit shorter than that. Um, we could have done a few things differently to make it a little longer, but longer and shorter doesn't make a great match. A great match is just the atmosphere and the vibe and, and what the guys are doing. So I really loved kind of some of the counters and, and the reversals that we had. Uh, obviously, I went for a, a Jericho cutter, like an Oz cutter, but a Jericho cutter. People thought I was going for a lion salt or maybe... We kind of did bonk heads, but you know, I landed kind of top heavy on my on my head. But you know, um, I've never taken that bump, and I don't know if he's ever given it, given an Oz cutter. So, you know, sometimes things happen. This is the first time Will and I have ever been in the ring together. We have never touched each other before ever. So, uh, really excited and happy with the whole match. And and you know, there's a couple minor things that go wrong, as they do in every match. But just some of the counters, and everyone, of course, was talking about when Osprey went for the for the Stormbreaker, and I reversed it into a Walls of Jericho, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. Like I've been doing that spot for years, man. You know, <laughs> the Frankensteiner off the top, and just all the stuff that we contributed and combined in there, and the multiple code breakers, and him kicking out of the Judas effect, and then me kind of giving him the finger, you know, daring him to, to, to pin me when he finally did. And I mean, just a great match. It really was one of my favorites that I've had. I think uh, Wrestling Observer gave it four and three-quarter stars. I can't get another five-star match to save my life. I think the uh, Tony Khan says the Quake by the Lake, Moxley, Jericho, and the uh, Jericho Osprey should have been five stars. So, <laughs> hey, four and three-quarters is pretty close. So just round up. You know, and, and most importantly, it's great getting five stars and four and three-quarter stars, but most importantly, all that matters is the fans and if people enjoyed it, and they did in droves. You know, everyone seemed to think it was one of the better matches of the night and one of the better matches I've had for a while. Um, you know, how could it not be being there with Will Ospreay? But, you know, I came up with a couple ideas too, guys, right? <laughs> but, but just the atmosphere. I mean, you can't, you can't go wrong with that many people just enjoying this. And obviously, Will's the hometown hero. So they're going to cheer for him, and they cheered for me and booed for me, and some people booed for Don Callis. And, you know, just all across the board, just one of those nights that we all worked so hard to do and work so hard to, to be a part of because it really is, like I said, a, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. 
Um, you know, and I, I wanted Sammy out there with me to continue our storyline. I also wanted him to be able to feel that. I know he wanted to wrestle, and there was at one point an idea to do Danny Garcia versus Sammy, but we just, uh, you know, you can't do everything on the show. And I, just, I wanted him to be able to feel it. And when he was out there after Judas, he's like, this is fucking great, man. This is great. You can see him kind of jumping up and down. So he feels it, right? He wants to be on the show next year, but now he knows just what it feels like to be in that atmosphere and around that, that, that many, that, that mass of humanity. So I have no doubt that Sammy will be on, on the show next year for sure. And so many people weren't. And, and the ones that were, I think everybody had just a, a great showing. It was a great night for pro wrestling. Um, you know, after the Osprey thing was done, I give Sammy a shove. And why is that? Well, because we're still continuing on. You know, that's the that's the biggest thing when you do a WrestleMania or all in like you. You think about this event for months and you put all this time into it and you get new gear and you do a ring entrance and you put together the match and you tear the house down. And then you get up the next day and away we go. Time to time to do it again on Wednesday, boys. And, and that's what that's what wrestling is. There is no off season. You know, you win, you win the Stanley Cup or you win the Super Bowl. You get three or four months to you know, go on vacation and, and, and talk about it. Not for us in, in, in AW or in wrestling in general. You, you go straight to the next gig. So come back to the curtain and, and, you know, just so excited and happy about how everything went. And it's just one of those moments, you know, Will and I shared something that, that, that uh, can never be duplicated and, and something that no one else will ever know what it was like to be in the ring with, with Jericho and Osprey for our first ever confrontation and have such a, such a, a great match and, a match that was so critically acclaimed. And once again, me just shoving it right up the social media haters' asses. Like, <laughs> like you know, I'm, I'm sure people want to hate on Mick Jagger, too. And I'm 30 years younger than Mick, but he's still the best front man in the world. I'm sure to the chagrin of critics that probably predicted his demise in the 70s. Uh, but he's like, you can hate me if you want. I'm still going to continue to be great. And people are going to enjoy my work. And I feel the same way. So it was, it was just a great night. I really enjoyed working with Will and, and just being there and, and seeing kind of his advancement and just knowing how huge of a future he has. And I'm glad I was able to be a part of it. You know, it's the same thing with MJF and Adam Cole and all the guys in the stadium stampede match and, you know, FTR guys and Young Bucks and just, just so exciting to and Kenny Omega, you know, and Hangman Page and Darby Allen. And I mean, and, and also too, like, you know, I, I did great as uh, fairly well, whatever you want to say is the other States, but what about Sting? He crushed it too. Like Sting's a decade plus older than me, and he's still, you know, just doing a great job out there too. So it's very inspiring. It was great for the company, um, you know. And you finish up, and you kind of just sit there for a while, you know. And I was a little bit, I'd been knocked a little bit loopy, I think, from the from the Sky Twister Press. And uh, you know, you come back and you go, "Did we do all this stuff?" I, I still don't remember taking the Spanish Fly, you know. And once again, it's just it's just how it goes, you know. You, sometimes you get whacked and takes a few minutes to come back to earth, but that's pro wrestling and no concussion or anything. It's just kind of, you get your bell rung a little bit and that's, that's, that's how it goes. And, um, just to be able to, to sit there afterwards, and you talk over the match and you think about all the stuff that you liked and the things that you didn't like. I mean, that's part of, you know, being, being in the business, you know what I mean? So, um, just a, a great moment and a great night. And, you know, afterwards there was a lockdown, of about an hour where you couldn't go anywhere because the, they closed the roads to get everybody out of there. I helped a friend of mine find their way back to the hotel because they were lost, you know, and then you, then you wait, uh, and, and, and the, the roads open you go back to the hotel. And there's, you know, afterwards a little bit of a function after the show, I went and hung out with Oge Hart, which was great to see him. Obviously it's so awesome to have the Hart family involved with AEW. 
you know, and, and seeing Dean Malenko and talking to him about everything. And, and Tony, of course, was there, which is great because he's got so many things going on and he's super excited about it. And just reconnecting with some other people that were around and, you know, just a, a great night all across the board, you know. And then, of course, the next day there's an air traffic control shutdown. So flights are delayed and, and can we make it out? And, and we did. We got out on time. Some other friends were delayed for an hour or two, but... It worked out perfect where everyone made it home okay. There's still some people stuck there on Wednesday when we did the next show in Chicago, uh, which, of course, is when I apologized to Sammy, and that kind of broke down a bit, and here we are getting ready to resume the Sex Gods trek to the Tag Team Championships. Um, we're going to start that this week uh, against Aussie Open. By the time you hear this, you might have already seen that match, and if you haven't, it's coming up Wednesday Night Dynamite. And, you know, you continue the story. And like I said, as, as weird as it seems, because you'd be like, how can you guys just jump straight into the next thing? It's like, well, that's just how it goes. Um, you know, you work your way to this great storyline, this great match. Osprey and Jericho happens. And then, you know, Osprey goes back to New Japan and I'm in AW. And, and where do we go from there? So there was some ideas to incorporate some other guys to go to the next level um, or to go to the next story. And we decided to do it the way we did it, which was which was great. So. Once again, one of the greatest professional weekends of my career, if not the greatest uh, weekend of my career professionally. Very glad that it all worked out. Very glad I got to work with Osprey and Fozzie got to play Wembley and Fozzie uh, had the biggest show we've ever had at, at uh, the O2. So very excited about the future for AEW. I'm excited we're going back to Wembley. But yeah, that was a, that was a moment. You know, I mean, how often have I done a solo podcast about a match or a show? They're very rare. It's only the big ones or ones that are complete disasters like the Super Liger show. But this was the opposite of that. It was just a great moment. And once again, I thank every one of the 81,035 people who bought tickets. I think with the comps and with the crew and with the stage people, there was about almost 85,000 people in the building. Uh, we had more tickets sold than Live Aid did with Freddie Mercury and Queen. Uh, like I said, the greatest gig of all time. And now I can say I played Wembley. You know, I talked to Wolfgang Van Halen a couple of weeks ago here and talked to Jericho, and he was talking about playing Wembley for the Taylor Hawkins tribute and tribute to, to his dad, Ed, Eddie Van Halen. And now I can say, yeah, we played Wembley too, you know, and there's a great graphic that somebody posted that I, I posted on, uh, on my Instagram page. I'm just pulling up right now. It was really hilarious where, where it said, um, there was, uh, a, 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 let me just see it. There was, like I said, there's a graphic where it says Aerosmith, Fenway Park, 33,700 tickets. The Beatles, Shea Stadium, 55,000. ACDC, Donington. 72,500. Fozzie, Wembley Stadium, 81,035. So, hey, Fozzie played it, you know, and it doesn't matter what the details of it were. We played it. It's like my dad used to say, they don't ask you how you scored the goals. They just ask you how many that you scored. So from now on, we can say in London, we sold over 1,000 tickets, and we played Lemmy, Lemmy Stadium. Lemmy Stadium. Lemmy would have loved that. Wembley Stadium. I bet you Lemmy uh, would have loved to have been there to play Wembley Stadium, but Fozzie was. And uh, once again, thanks to all you guys for coming to the Fozzie gig. Thanks to all you guys for going to the Rev Pro show. Hope you enjoyed that. That was a blast appearing there. And thanks to all of you who uh, watched All In live, all 81,035 of you and, and more uh, with the comps, like I said, 85,000 people, whatever it was. And thanks to everybody who watches Dynamite every week and continues to follow our stories. And thanks to everyone who listens to Talk is Jericho. This was a lot of fun to do this. And um, want to give you guys a little bit of a behind the scenes of, of my Wembley journey. So um, we will see you on Wednesday on Dynamite, and we'll see you with Fozzie very soon. Our new song is uh, 
very close to, to, to being released, probably within the next few months. And we're going back out on tour in the States in October, November, and we're going back to the UK probably in February. So lots of great stuff coming up, and I'm really glad that uh, I got to hang with you in London. And uh, we'll see you again very soon. What a weekend. Oh, yeah.